Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. week three, I believe, of our Family Vibes series. And uh, in this particular series, if you're new here, this is a great series for you to jump into because in it, what we're doing is we're actually highlighting the different, um, the different pillars that we believe as a church. Everything that we do here at Coastline points back to these particular pillars. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Everything that we do points to those four things. And tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the importance of making a difference. We're going to talk about what it means to make a difference. And afterwards, I want to encourage those of you who haven't been to Grow Track to check out Grow Track because one of the sessions of Grow Track is all about discovering your purpose. And if we can figure out who we are and why we're here, oh man. God can do some exciting things through you. Okay, but tonight what I want to do is I actually want to highlight a Bible character. And this particular Bible character, you may have been a Christian your whole entire life. And I'm, I'm willing to venture to guess that you've likely never heard of this particular guy ever before. This guy is a church planter. This guy is a, a, a missionary, an evangelist. This guy has, has made an impact in his local community and beyond. This particular guy was even imprisoned for his faith. Because he was a Christian, he got thrown in jail. And his name is Epaphras. Epaphras is his name. And my prayer, when I read the scriptures about Epaphras, the thing that kept coming up to me is, wow, here is a, a normal, everyday guy. And oftentimes when we read the scriptures, like we read about Jesus, and we read about Moses, and we read about Peter, and we read, read about King David, and we, we hear these epic stories of these epic feats and these epic things that are done. But what I love about Epaphras is he's a nobody. He's a normal, everyday human being like you and like me. But what's fascinating about him is he's a person who discovered his purpose and then walked it out. And my prayer for each of you in this room tonight is that you would in some way discover your purpose. And maybe you already have. And in fact, if you've already discovered your purpose, my prayer for you would be that you would be able to walk it out in fullness. Become a risk taker. Become the kind of person who, who listens to Jesus and does what he says no matter what. That's the kind of person I want us to all be. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. There's going to be some verses on the screen here. Epaphras is fascinating because he gets three shout-outs, actually. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read for you each shout-out that's in the Bible, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to preach. It's going to be good. Okay, so Colossians chapter 1. Verse, five, verse six says this. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Amen. Come on, somebody. 
just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Verse seven, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love in the spirit. Flip the page and we get to Colossians chapter four. In Colossians chapter four, it says these words in verse 12, Epaphras, our homeboy of the evening, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God's, uh, God, in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those of Laodicea and Hierapolis. And the final one is in Philemon. Philemon, if you want to read a Bible book, Philemon is literally one page. It's a fast one, but it's a good one. And in Philemon, Epaphras gets a shout out again too. And it says in chapter one, verse 23, Epaphras, once again, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you greetings. If you close your eyes with me, I want to pray as we jump into the word. God, thank you that we are here. But more importantly, God, thank you that you are here. And God, I pray that as we look at these scriptures and apply them to our lives, God, that we learn something about us through this person named Epaphras. God, we can be anywhere in the entire world, but tonight we find ourselves in here. So Lord, in this moment, Father, we invite you. Father, we ask you to speak to us. May we leave here tonight different than the way that we came in. In your name we pray. Amen. So in these particular scripture verses that I just read, there's, there's six characteristics or six um, descriptors of Epaphras. And I want to go through all six of these with you because I really, truly, with everything inside of me, believe that God has something for you tonight in this word. So the first one I want to look, to you, uh, look at with you is this little descriptor. And what's funny about the Bible is what I've noticed is if we're just reading the Bible to try and finish it from cover to cover, oftentimes what happens is we glance over really important nuggets. So if I can give you any advice as a pastor when you're reading the Bible, slow down. God doesn't care how fast you read the Bible. And God doesn't care how much of the Bible you know. What, what God cares about is that you know him. And it's hard to know God if we're just trying to blast through content to say that we did it. We don't get bonus points for that. We don't get a check mark for that. The goal, the whole purpose, the whole point of Christianity is to know Jesus. And so sometimes that means we need to slow down. So if you read one scripture verse a day, but you slowly meditate on it and you think about it and you say, God, what is it that you're speaking to me through these six or seven words? That is infinitely more powerful than crushing three books of the Bible and forgetting everything you just read. So don't be a content monger. <laughs> Deep, dig in and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you read the word. Because I'm going to tell you, that's how this book comes alive. So the first one we want to look at is, is these, these four words. Epaphras is described as our dear fellow servant. 
In the New Living Translation, it says these words. It says, our beloved co-worker. And what's important that we notice in this little portion of scripture is that Epaphras didn't practice his faith alone. He was part of something bigger than himself. And what I've come to know and what I've come to learn and what I've come to notice about Christianity is that it comes alive in community. It comes alive in community. Christianity, we all know, or maybe you don't, I'm going to inform you right now. Christianity begins with a personal relationship with Jesus. So when you start your Christian walk and when you start the Christian faith and you start applying Christianity to your life, the most important thing for you to do is be focused on your relationship with Jesus. You don't become a Christian by going to church. You don't become a Christian by hanging out with Christians. You don't become a Christian because your parents were. You don't become a Christian because uh, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend is. You can't just pretend to be a Christian and have this whole thing work. It doesn't work like that. Christianity, it, it comes alive in community. And it starts off as a personal relationship with Jesus. But Christianity is contextualized through your personal relationships with others. Meaning, you can't be a Christian by yourself. Your Christian faith is not meant to be done alone. Think about it. If at the, the core of Christianity, if, if the core of Christianity is to, is to love God and love others, if we then isolate ourselves from those around us, we miss the opportunity to impact those who are around us. Like it is entirely possible that God has you where you are for such a time as this. So I want you to listen to me tonight. Don't waste your life. Everyone in this room matters. Everyone in this room was designed by God, whether you believe that or not. Everyone in this room has a purpose. Everyone in this room has the capacity to, to impact someone else's life. And so when I read this little descriptor of Epaphras, this guy who, who knew his purpose, when it speaks to this idea that, that he is a, a dear fellow servant, he's a, a beloved coworker, it speaks to this idea that he did it in community. His Christianity was practiced with somebody else. Maybe you're not in a small group yet. Friends, find a small group. Maybe you're new to this whole Christian church thing. Friends, try Alpha. It's a great introduction to the Christian faith. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to make sense of all these things. Try Grow Track. It'll help you discover your purpose and why you're here. But listen to me clearly. Our Christianity needs to be walked out with others. We can't do it by ourselves. Number two, he's described as a faithful servant or a faithful minister of Christ in Colossians chapter one, verse seven. Epaphras was faithful when it came to the way he lived out his Christianity. Epaphras was faithful when it came to the way he expressed his relationship with Jesus. Let me, let me let you in on a little secret here. If your Christianity 
isn't centered on Jesus, your Christianity is probably pretty boring. Your Christianity won't actually help you. If your Christianity is centered on anything other than Christ, you're, you're, like, you're, you're, you're missing the point. Christianity isn't supposed to be centered on church. It's not supposed to be centered on the Bible. Okay, hear what I'm saying. It's not supposed to be centered on, on the things you do. It's not supposed to be centered on your ability to one day lead worship on the stage as if this is the climax of the Christian faith. If your Christianity is not centered on Jesus, you don't have Christianity. Christianity comes alive. Christianity becomes uh, uh, applicable and real. Christianity becomes exciting and exhilarating when and only when it is centered on Jesus. You see, we live in this funny culture right now. And we live in a culture that is obsessed with, with discovering and living out our truth. I need to discover my own truth. And when I discover my own truth, I'm going to live it out. And then when you figure it out, make sure you live out your truth. Live your truth. Own your truth. Your truth is your truth and is nobody else's. Find your truth and follow it. And this mindset has infiltrated the church where we, where we say, I need to find my, my, my truth. I need to find my purpose. Why am I here? And if you find your purpose and you find your truth in anything other than Jesus, you're selling yourself short. Well, how could you even say that? Just imagine with me for a moment. Assume for a second we all believe that God is real. And if we believe that God is real, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And if we believe that God created the heavens and the earth, we also believe that God created mankind. And if we believe that God created mankind, we also believe that God created you and me. And if God created you and me, he created you with intentionality. Because God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make errors. It's not like, oops, I didn't mean to make you look like that. My bad. <laughs> but there's intentionality there. And so what we see in that, what we learn from that, is we get to see this picture of, of, of who God is. And if he designed us, he has a plan for us. It says in the scriptures that our names are written in the book of life. It says in scripture, as he was knitting us together in our mother's womb, he was writing out the days of our lives and being like, oh my goodness. You know what's going to happen in 2023 on September, on that Sunday night, Lucas is going to go to a funeral and Pastor Adam's going to come to the church service. And I'm going to remind you and tell you that Jesus made you. He made you. And this is why this is so important for us today. Because we're all searching for truth. But you want to know what Jesus says about that? Jesus says, I am the truth. He says, I am the way. He says, I am the life. And then he says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So if you're searching for enlightenment... And if you're trying to find a purpose, and if you want to find and discover why you were wired and why you do the things that you do, 
maybe, just maybe, try consulting the creator. Because maybe Jesus actually has the answer you've been looking for your entire life. Maybe you've inadvertently confused the, the acts of the church. And so you've been turned on from God, or turned off from God. You, you, you've thought to yourself, ah, I don't want anything to do with that, Jesus. Friends, the secret is found in him. Number three. Three words. Describes Epaphras as one of you. And this is so important. Because at the end of the day, what Epaphras was, is he was a local leader. And let me let you in on a little, little secret. Christianity comes alive. If you go outside, you'll see this big sign that says, there is life here. Christianity comes alive when we learn to bloom where we are planted. Another way of saying that is Christianity comes alive when we start to live it out in the here and the now. John 3.16 says that um, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You see, this term everlasting life is very fascinating. Because it's one way you can read that is you can think to yourself, okay, Jesus came and he died for me. That way, once I die, I won't actually die. I'll just keep on living. That's one way to interpret everlasting life. The other way to look at everlasting life is that the moment you give your life to Jesus, you step into that everlasting life in the here and the now. Like Jesus' death on a cross doesn't just apply once you die. His death on the cross applies right now. So the way you see yourself, the way you see the world, the way you see God, all of that can be impacted through Jesus. Not just once you die, but it's meant to be lived out in the present, in the here and in the now. Nobody wins if you wait until some arbitrary future date to get serious about your faith. Epaphras was one of them. He was a local leader. Who is God sending you to now? Who are the people that you interact with on a daily basis? I love that we were able to pray for and commission this missions team that are going to take what's happening here all the way to Thailand. That's super exciting. But the mission field doesn't actually only exist overseas. The mission field is everywhere that you step your feet. I wish we had a sign on that door as soon as we walked out of the room, as soon as we stepped out, it said, welcome to the mission field, just to remind us that as soon as we leave this room, we're off the bench and we're in the game. Friends, don't wait until you're a better Christian to start living your life as a Christian. Because you don't know, you don't know the people God has placed around you for you right now. You are literally, potentially, the answer to somebody else's prayers. 
When they're saying, God, are you there? God, do you care? God, are you going to send anybody? They don't need me. They need, they need you. They need the person that God, is, that God is sending. And if God is sending you, my friend, my advice to you is go. The Bible talks about this idea that as Christians, we're supposed to love our neighbor. We know this, right? But sometimes it's the people that are closest to us, like our actual neighbors or our family members or our friends, like the people who are really close. If we're going to be honest, sometimes those are the hardest people in the world to love. But don't give up. Because what if, what if, what if God is trying to use you right now to impact their life? That would be a pretty cool thing. Number four, it talks about this interesting thing. It says that Epaphras was always wrestling in prayer. He wasn't always wrestling. He's not like a WWF fighter, although that would be way cooler. But he was wrestling in prayer. Epaphras was active and relentless in prayer. And this is something that I've learned to be true. Your prayer life, your, your, your Christianity, your Christianity will come alive when prayer for others becomes a regular part of your lifestyle. You will notice a change, a definitive, for real, measurable change in your Christian walk when you begin to pray more about others than you do for yourself. I can assure you of that. I'm sure you've heard this before. I probably have even preached this before, but I'll, I'll say it again. If, if God were to answer every one of your prayers, like every prayer you've ever prayed, and if God were to answer every single one of them, would the people around you be impacted? Or would you just have aced every one of your exams? <laughs> or not got that speeding ticket? Or got a really sick parking spot at the mall? <laughs> like sometimes when I look at our prayer life as Christians, like if we think about this just for a moment, like just, just for a moment, if we spend a moment and really think about this. Like again, if we believe that God is real, and if we believe in prayer, and we believe that we can talk to God, and not only can we talk to God, but he actually talks back to us. And if we believe that, why on earth do we have such lackluster prayer lives? Like, why on earth do I waste, why don't I value it more? I'm pointing my fingers at myself. And there's this piece of Epaphras that I find so inspiring that he wrestled in prayer for others. And I think about this, this city that we live in. I think about this island. I think about the, the schools that we attend, the places that we work, the families we're a part of. If the people in this room, if we could just make a commitment for a week to relentlessly pray for those who are around us, oh my word. We could see a move of God the likes of which we've never even seen before. It's amazing. Number five. It describes Epaphras as working hard. And what I love about Epaphras 
is that he, he worked hard for the cause of Christ. He, he put his money where his mouth was. Christianity will come alive for you. And as I was praying for you tonight, there's this piece of me that really stirred. This is the revelation I want you to have. This is the piece that I want you to hear. Because if you can grab onto this, this thing I'm about to tell you, this is where, this is where the rubber hits the road. Christianity comes alive when you begin to value calling over comfort. And if we could be the type of Christian, the type of person who values calling over comfort, that kind of Christian is the kind of Christian who changes the world. What I mean by that is this. I believe with everything inside of me that you are designed, that we as the church, we are designed to be risk takers. We're designed to be influencers. We're designed to be mavericks, outliers, nonconformists. I believe with everything that's inside of me that we are designed to be change agents. So we're designed to be ripple makers, pioneers, trendsetters, not just trend followers. We're not just designed to simply go with the flow of culture and bend to what culture is doing and blend our faith into, into a small box. The Christian church exists to bring people the hope of Jesus. And our generation, your generation, our culture needs to see Christ in the flesh. They need to see the, the hope of Jesus personified through you. Your impact on others is infinitely greater than you could ever possibly imagine. This is why. Because the whole island, they're not all going to come to Coastline Church. But if we as Christians can bring the church to the world, if we as Christians can live out our faith and actually do the things God asks us to do, this is how we begin to see a movement happen. And if we're more concerned about our comfort than our calling, you're selling yourself short. I asked my daughter, she's about to go on this Thailand trip. Actually, we'll make this anonymous. I asked an anonymous person. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I asked this anonymous person who's about to go on a Thailand trip. I said, how are you feeling about it? And she said, I'm 50% I'm afraid and 50% excited. And I remember saying to her, honey, that, that's the sweet spot. That's, that's, that's what God's wired us for. When we, when we put those two things together, fear and faith, excitement and fear, and we, we combine those, it tells, me, it tells me that we are doing something exciting. We're doing something worth doing. And all too often, because we're afraid, we don't do the things that God is asking us to do. I'm convinced that there are people in this room where God has been stirring you to go into the mission field. And even when I talked about this missions team tonight, something inside of you was stirring. I'm convinced that there are people in this room where there are conversations that you know have been a long time coming. Where you've, you've, you, you know, 
you know that God has placed that person in your world for you to talk to them. There are people in this room where, where you know you're supposed to be starting a small group. There are people in this room where you know that you're supposed to end the relationship that you're in because it's not actually where you're supposed to be. And what we do, this is what we do, and this is human, don't beat yourself up. You're not a bad Christian, you're human. Listen to what I'm about to say. What we do is we tell ourselves, well, God, I just need another sign. <laughs> give me another sign, then I will know. <laughs> and if you can just give me another sign, then I, then I will know that I know that you're asking me to do this. And we mask that as being a responsible Christian. We mask that as being spiritual. But I'm gonna be honest with you. It's probably more related to fear than it is to your faith. And it's entirely possible that you've just been scared. And friends, I want to tell you right now, being scared is not evidence that you should stop doing what it is that God has asked you to do. If you've been praying for a sign that you're supposed to do the thing that God has asked you to do, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, right before your very eyes, I am that sign. I am the sign that you've been praying for. If God has been asking you to do something, go and do it. Stop waiting. You'll never be ready. You'll never have it all figured out. It'll never be easier. Do the thing that God has asked you to do. Amen, that was pretty good. I'll throw this out. James chapter four, verse 17. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it says, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. And so there are some people in this room where you know God has asked you to do something and you may not be aware that that falls now into the sin category. <laughs> You thought there was nothing, like there was nothing on the line. But God's like, bro, girl, listen up. Like it's not okay to just not do the things that I'm asking you to do. Because I want to write someone else's story through your story. Not just for your benefit, but for their benefit. And we need to do this together. And that's a pretty sweet opportunity. I'll close with this, number six. Epaphras was described as a prisoner of Christ. No, he wasn't like imprisoned by Christ. <laughs> Jesus put him in handcuffs and like, got you, sucker. Uh, wasn't that. <laughs> but it's, he's described as a prisoner of Christ, meaning that Epaphras paid the price for his Christianity and he was imprisoned for his faith. When our Christianity, let me be super honest with you, okay? When your Christianity moves from, God, what can you do for me? And transitions to, God, what can I do for you? Everything changes. The beginning of the walk of God for the Christian is, God, what can you do for me? And some of you are in that season 
where Christianity is new for you and you're still trying to figure it out. What, God, you're real? This is crazy, I had no idea. And so a lot of your prayer life looks like, God, what can you do for me? And this is what we would call a, a, a baby Christian. You're, you're new to the faith. The problem is, it's entirely possible to be a 25-year-old, I shouldn't say that, it's possible to be a Christian for 25 years and still be a baby Christian. Well, what makes you mature? This prayer. If our prayers are, God, what can you do for me only? We sell ourselves short. When we can transition our prayer life to, God, what can I do for you? Everything comes alive. I can't promise a life without suffering. And I wish I could. And I can't promise you a life without persecution. And I wish I could. And I can't promise you that if you become a Christian, your life will be easier. (laughs) Because it doesn't work like that. But what I can promise you is that if you surrender your life to Jesus and, and discover your purpose, you will discover a fulfillment that is second to none. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. My biggest prayer for this evening has been that we would all strive to be a little bit more like Epaphras. Because Epaphras is a person that that knew his purpose and lived his Christianity well. I looked up the name Epaphras. What does it even mean? And it came out that Epaphras means lovely. At first I thought, lame. Super nerd definition. Whenever I think of the word lovely, I think of, oh, that's a lovely doily. (laughs) Oh, this is a lovely cup of tea. Oh, this is a lovely flower. But after I stopped making fun of Epaphras, I realized that's actually a very powerful descriptor. It means that Epaphras is characterized by love. And that is his greatest motivator. That Epaphras, I can't put my word on it, so loving, he's he's lovely. And we are lovely because Christ first loved us. So before we move any further, I wanna pray two prayers tonight. Can I ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads for a second? If you're here tonight and, and, and the way I talked about Jesus surprised you. And it's almost as though Jesus himself has been speaking to you, knocking at your heart, knocking at the door of your spirit. And if there's something inside of you that says, you know what, I need to get my life right with him. I want a personal relationship with this God Adam's talking about. If that's you, without anybody looking around, can I invite you to slip your hand up and I'm gonna pray for you, okay? Yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Don't be shy. This is your moment. I won't embarrass you. This is a moment between you and God. We have hands all around this room. You can put your hand down if you like, but I want to invite you now to pray with me. In fact, I'll invite everybody to pray with me because this is a great reset prayer that you can make tonight. It goes, sorry, thank you, please. And you can repeat the words under your breath or you can just agree with me, but prayer is us talking to God. So it goes like this. Jesus, if you're real, wow. Jesus, sorry for making this life all about me. I didn't even know that you existed. (laughs) And if I did, I didn't even know that the way that I live my life was impacting both others and myself, hurting them, hurting me, hurting you. I had no idea. So Jesus, I'm sorry. Sorry for the things that I've done that have separated me from you. Forgive me. Forgive me, God. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that as Pastor Adam said tonight, you you designed me, you created me, you gave me a purpose. Thank you that you love me when I don't love me. Thank you that you see value in me when I don't see value in me. And thank you that you are nothing like I thought you were. You're so much better. Would you please come into my heart and come into my life? Would you please show me what it means to be a Christian? Would you please become my Lord and Savior? And more practically than that, would you please show me what that even means? Because I want to know you. And so I invite you into my life. In your name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me tonight, I want to invite you to do two things, okay? I want to invite you, if you've never been to Alpha, to take the Alpha course. It is a great way. It's a 10-week course. It's a 10-week introduction to Christianity. Explores everything from who is Jesus, why did he die, to, to what is burp, awkward. What is sin? How do I read the Bible? Why and how should I pray? It's really helpful. But I also want to invite you to to talk to somebody who has a lanyard tonight. Or or tell the person that you came with, hey, I just prayed a prayer to become a Christian. Because Christianity isn't meant to be walked alone. Can I invite you to stand to your feet? I'm going to invite the band to come back, but I want to pray one more prayer, as I said earlier. Because I believe that God is starting something right here, right now. I preached the same message this morning in the West Shore. And I'm going to preach this exact same message next Sunday downtown at the 9 and 11 and at the 2. But there's something specific about tonight for you. When I started praying those, or saying those words, that we are risk takers, pioneers, trendsetters, ripple makers. God stirred my heart every time I penned those words thinking about you in this service. 
I believe there's something inside of you that needs to get out. That God has placed a dream inside of you. That, that for some of you in this room, you are the future of this church. You are a piece of God's rescue plan for humanity. And it's time for you to rise up. Not just to sit back and wait for the moment that you can jump in when you're better or smarter or more mature. But right now, where you're at, say, okay, Jesus, whatever it is that you're asking me to do, I'm gonna do it. And so my prayer for you tonight is gonna be a prayer of boldness. That God, would you give, that God would give you boldness to live out your faith. That just like Epaphras, you could be faith, a faithful minister of Christ no matter what the setting. Because I'm going to be real. It's really easy to be a Christian in here. It's harder to be a Christian at UVic. It's hard to be a Christian when you and your girlfriend are doing stuff you know you're not supposed to be doing. It's easy to forget how Christian you are. And my prayer is going to be that there would be a just an authenticity and a 24-7 type, I'm a Christian always, not just when I'm at a church, kind of anointing on your life. And that we would live our faith and that we'd impact this island and people would see that Jesus is in fact who he says he is. He is good, he's great, and he is God. So would you close your eyes with me? And as the band begins to play and gets ready to play, let me pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we are here. But more importantly, God, we thank you that you are here. And Father, I pray that you would pour out an anointing on this generation, on this service. God, that you would begin to give them dreams, that you begin to give them visions, that you begin to give, begin to give them a plan, a, a mission, a direction, a next step. And that, Father God, that we would be the type of generation, we'd be the type of people who listen to you and does what you say, no matter what the cost. Father, there are missionaries in this room. There are future pastors in this room. There are evangelists in this room. There are prophets in this room. There are teachers in this room. There are administrators in this room. There are sons and daughters of God in this room who are waiting to hear from you what it is that our next assignment is. So Father God, I pray that tonight you would download, that you would give us some direction, some insight into what it is that you want us to do. And God, I pray that you would give us the boldness to walk by faith and not by sight. To step out when you ask us to step out. To stop when you ask us to stop. I pray that our Christianity would be real, authentic, and vulnerable. Jesus, we love you. We give you tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. 